In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who gives us the church, and makes you the church. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I warned you ahead of time, things are going to be a little bit different this morning. I am going to be doing a different preaching style, and it's going to be something that some of you um, are probably going to associate with other denominations. That's okay. Um, we're we're going to try it out and see how it goes. I've never done this before, so um, if you really hate the sermon, I ask that you come back maybe you know, two or three more times at least and let me get this thing all figured out. Um, and then after that you can abandon um, you know the word of God and all of that <laughs> right wow yeah right there goes Bill um, <laughs> but what we're going to be doing today and actually for the next seven weeks is we are going to be going through the book of Ephesians and I've chosen this preaching style because of the book of Ephesians is a dense book and usually when I'm preaching, how I preach is I kind of hit like the, the major things, and, and that's good. Um, and, but today, in order to really get through the density of this book, in order to understand what uh, the Holy Spirit has for us here in the words of Paul, we're going to have to look at pretty much all of those words. And so, one of the things that you're going to have to do that you probably have never done before, well, maybe once or twice, is you're going to have to get that celebrate out of your bulletin, or um, uh, maybe if you brought a Bible along, you're going to have to get that out because we're going to be running through it together. Um, And one of the things that you'll notice right away as we're doing that is that we're starting off in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. So you're already missing out on some stuff. Um, And you're going to be missing out on some of Ephesians anyway. That's just the way that this lectionary system goes. Uh, But uh, it's kind of important for you to know what verses 1 and 2 have to say. So I'm going to read that for you. Uh, It says... Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's already kind of important. Because if you know anything about the other letters of Paul, you'll notice that there's a little bit of a difference here in his letter to the Ephesians. And uh, given the questions that I've asked many of you about the Bible, you know the Bible about as well as I know sports statistics. You know it about well enough for uh, to go, oh, oh yeah, I knew that, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and so the the difference here is that in the book of Ephesians, Paul is not yelling at the Ephesians. If you look at the book of Galatians, if you look at what Paul is having to say to the Corinthians, usually when Paul is writing a letter, he's yelling at them. It's not a good thing. It's because they've messed up somehow, and that he's writing them a letter trying to correct them and saying, Hey, dummies, figure this out. You stupid Corinthians, you're getting drunk at communion. You think that's what Jesus really wants you to do. You dumb Galatians, do you really think that eating kosher and getting circumcised makes you a Christian? That's the kind of uh, sort of spirit that Paul's letters have in those other books. But here in Ephesians, he starts it off kind of nice. He starts it off saying... Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. 
the Ephesians are good Christians. I mean, if, if you can kind of think about that, the way that you probably think about that is that the Ephesians are, are like those Christians that uh, you, you sort of feel bad to be around. These are the Christians that, you know, they're praying every morning. They have little index cards with, uh, with Bible verses on them that they are memorizing while they're driving down the road. These are the Christians that go to small group, like every night of the week, These are the Christians that go to church every Sunday. Imagine that. These are... I know. These are Christians that... I mean, they are just fantastic. They're like Baptists. Oh, you don't like that? Prove me wrong. Go ahead. Prove me wrong. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. These are Christians that are... They're doing all of this stuff. They're praying with their family. They're doing all of this stuff that are all of the good things. All of those fruits, all of those sanctifications that we really say those are good things that we find in the Bible. The Ephesians are trying so hard and doing so well. And because of that, they're having such great lives. And because of that, Paul knows how that's how that's going. And so he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And the Ephesians are going, Yeah. Yeah, God is so good. He has blessed me with just about every blessing that there ever could be in the spiritual places. I am such... A blessed Christian, this is such a good thing. And Paul goes on. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. And they're okay with that until you get to that qualifying statement at the end. Holy and blameless before him in love. Now, that's what we call a qualifier in, in the English language, basically what that does is, it's like when we say, you know, you are practically perfect. Or, you are pretty much a good guy. It, it's a qualifier, it, it kind of means, well, it, you're pretty close, but you're not all the way there yet. And so the Ephesians, their ears are probably starting to perk up at this point, going, in love? Dude, Paul, I'm going to small group every night of the week. In love? Seriously, I am holy and blameless. What are you thinking about? And, and so he, he goes on. He destined us for adoption in, as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he free, freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now, I am an elder sibling. Any, any of the rest of you an elder sibling? Yeah, I am an elder sibling. Any of you ever do this to your younger siblings? You told them that they were adopted? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. The laughing gives it away. Yeah, uh, and, and, and I was, uh, I could do that really, really easily because where I was born, I was the only Caucasian baby for like six hospitals from there. And so there was no way that I was adopted. But my brother so happened to be born in Nebraska... In Fairbury, Nebraska, southeastern Nebraska, where you probably had to go to six, six hospitals away to find a non-white baby. And so I could always say, you know, they switched to you at the hospital. We liked you, so we let you in the family. 
But, yeah, you're not really a part of this family. I mean, that's what we're saying. When we tell our siblings that. Now, of course, you would never actually say that if they were actually adopted, because they are actually a part of your family. You're still saying you're a part of this family, but you weren't originally a part of the family. And the Ephesians are probably going, what do you mean not originally part of the family? Come on, we are doing such a fantastic job being Christians. What is the deal with that? And they are. They really are. But Paul is pointing out that even these Ephesians are not there because they're being great Christians. They're there because of the manifold grace of God. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace that He lavished on us. These Ephesians, these awesome Christians, that quite honestly, there's maybe like one or two of us that are sitting there in our seats right now after listening what I told you the Ephesians were like, and aren't kind of squirming a little bit and going, um, okay, yeah, I guess I could do probably a little bit better. These Ephesians who probably were outdoing all of us in terms of being sanctified, these Ephesians, he's saying, uh, you still don't get in because of that. You get in because of the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. You get in because you are a rank sinner who had to be saved by a dying Savior on a cross. That's why you're in. And so all of us who know that we're rank sinners, who know that we're probably not quite as cool as the Ephesians, all of us all the more say, we're in... Not because we're so cool. Not because we're such great Christians. Not because we're so sanctified. But because Jesus Christ shed His precious blood so that we could be adopted into His family. And so he goes on. With all wisdom and insight, He has made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure that He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. And that really gets into what it means to be a part of church. That is what Jesus Christ does when He saves you. He forgives your sins, and He brings you into this thing that is called church. Now, that doesn't necessarily just mean University Lutheran. And that doesn't even necessarily mean Lutheran. It means those who have faith in Jesus Christ. That you have faith that it's not your good works, that it wasn't the Ephesians' good good works, but that it rather is the good work of Jesus Christ that saves you. And that's what brings you into the church. And then when you're in the church, getting into the church is the good thing And then on top of that, Jesus has another good thing for you, that you get to be a part of this church. You get to be a part of His will. That's what the church is all about. It's experiencing His mysterious will that is a plan for the fullness of all of time to gather up all things in Him. Things in heaven and things earthly. 
That you get to be like Velcro. That you get to be like a snowball. That you get to be this a part of this church thing that is rolling through time, picking up things heavenly and picking up things earthly. Picking up other people, picking up great prayers, picking up great acts of kindness and mercy, picking up forgiveness all the way along. That you're rolling it all up towards the day that we're all going to celebrate in the resurrection. Because everything will have been rolled up by Christ. That He will have come in and said, It's all together now. We're a part of that plan. We're a part of what He's doing there. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of Him who accomplishes all things according to His counsel and will. That you are brought into His counsel and His will. You're brought into His plan. That now He gets to use you as a part of what He's doing. And usually when we think about that, we don't like that. Because it's kind of like, do I really want to be a part of somebody else's plan? And usually the problem that we have with that is that somebody else's plan is usually about somebody else. And we don't like that. We want the plan to be about us. But God says, you're going to be about my plan. And my plan is about you. But it's also about other people. It's also about your neighbors. It's also about those other Christians that you know. It's also about those people that you know that aren't Christians. That that's His plan, and that you get to be a part of that plan. You are the church, forgiven by God for the purpose of His will. That is such good news for you and for other people. So that we, who were first to set our hope in Christ, might live for the praise of His glory. The praise of His glory. Now that doesn't quite make sense for the way that normally, the way that we think about when we're doing good works. Usually we think about doing good works. When we do something good, we get the credit for it. It started off in kindergarten. When you did something good, you got maybe that gold star on your paper, and it was so cool to get the gold star. You you got that, that sense that this is a good work. But think about it for a moment here. Think about the glory that comes about in this scenario. You're walking down the street one day, and in front of you is this guy that you don't know this yet, but later on that afternoon, he is going to discover a cure for AIDS. And he's walking down the street, and there's a bus coming, and... As most brilliant scientists do, he steps off the curb and uh, isn't thinking about anything except chemistry, and he, this bus is barreling down at him. And it almost hits him. But you reach out your hand, and you pull him back, and you save him. And later on that afternoon, he goes out, and he discovers the cure for AIDS. 
Now everybody else in the world, the next day, when they're opening up their newspapers and they're looking at the news on their, uh, on their computers, what they're seeing there is, they're probably saying, isn't that amazing that this, God has given this guy this great gift in order to save all of these people. But that guy himself is saying, I would never have been able to simply do my job and discover that cure had it not been for the person who saved me. When you're going out and you're doing all of the great things, all of the good works that Christ has stored in front of you, it's not not about you. It's about the one who saved you. You're just doing your job. He's the one that saved you and made you able to do what you're able to do. So in Him, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in Him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of His glory. That when this happens to you, you who heard the word of truth, you who heard the gospel of your salvation, you who believed in Him, that you become a part of His church, a part of His plan, a part of what He has for the rest of the world and what He has for you. And that He gives you the seal And really, it says here the promise, but it's probably better to think about it in terms of guarantee. The guarantee of the Holy Spirit. That when you become a part of the church, when you are baptized, when God speaks into your life and brings you into His church, that He gives you His Holy Spirit as a down payment for the resurrection. That the resurrection is still coming, but you get to experience a little part of that. By having His Spirit being the thing that's powering you. Having His Spirit be the thing that's motivating you to do those good works that He has in store for you. That that is what it means to be the church. To have that Spirit. And then you can go out and you can be like the Ephesians and you can be really fantastic Christians. Or maybe you're not quite there yet. Maybe you need a whole lot more training before you're able to get to the point where you're thinking like an Ephesian. Maybe you're still a Corinthian. Maybe you're still a Galatian. Maybe you've got things messed up, but it doesn't matter because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And He is making you the church. Along with all of your brothers and sisters in Christ here. Through God cleansing you of your sins and giving you His Holy Spirit. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at what that means and how cool it is and what it means for us to really be 
church. Amen.